0: Welcome to A Church in the City, a podcast sharing messages, sermons, and talks from Downtown Christian Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We exist to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. We hope that this word can encourage you and strengthen your relationship with God. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. So this is week four, I guess, of a series of five. About hearing God's voice. And so far, we've heard the assertion that God is still truly speaking to his people. And we've discussed some provocative questions. How does he speak to us today? How do we hear him? And there's going to be a lot more on those subjects yet. And even today, we may overlap with some of those questions. But still, I'd like to turn the tables a little bit this morning and wonder together with you about. When he speaks, how is it that sometimes, perhaps, we just plain miss it? How? Why do we miss hearing God's voice, even though he's directly addressing us? You know, other than the second Adam, Jesus Christ, Adam and Eve may have had one of the closest recorded relationships with God through, through, through human history. Genesis speaks of God meeting with them in the garden in the cool of the day. They communed with him in a a deep and familiar level. But when an opportunity came for them to move beyond the place that God had designed for them, an opportunity for them to, to gain some advantage for themselves, to move away from being simple estate managers, becoming royalty, all that intimacy went right out the window. And they allowed themselves to be deceived into thinking that maybe God didn't really have their best interests at heart. That perhaps in his jealousy for his own position, he really wanted to restrain them and keep them down and subjugate them. How in the world did they miss it? They had been so close to him. How do I miss it? How do we miss it? And it's not necessarily because we're bad Christians. Even good people miss it. Clearly, Adam and Eve missed it because they allowed their own self-interest to drown out God's voice. When the serpent asked them, did God really say that? There's no doubt in my mind that they could actually hear God in the back of their mind, at least in their recollection, or maybe even audibly through the Spirit they could hear him repeating the choices he had put before them and what would happen if they chose badly. But they allowed their self-interest to drown out God's voice. I think sometimes we just wish that God would be quiet and stop nagging us. Come on, am I the only one that ever feels that way? Other times, and Adam and Eve fell prey to this also, I think we miss it by listening to, to every other voice coming at us but the Father's voice. The world, television, movies, popular music, the Internet, magazines, bad counselors, advertising, false prophets, Ouija boards, psychics, the enemy, even sometimes friends who don't really have our best interest at heart. It's a wonder we ever hear God at all. Sometimes there's so much spiritual static out there potentially drowning him out. Sometimes we have to strain to hear him. Strain as in applying a a real intense effort or straining as in using a strainer to allow through only his voice. Often we don't strain hard enough because our flesh likes what those other voices are saying sometimes, better than what the Spirit is saying to us. When I was a boy, I had a little, probably Japanese, 10-transistor battery-operated radio that I listened to late at night after the lights went out under the covers with a flashlight and a book. I could listen to stations before they signed off at midnight, which radio stations did back in those days. I could listen to stations clear to the Rocky Mountains before those AM transmissions would get blocked by those mountains. Farther away from home I would dial in, the signals would become weaker, And I could be tuned into a particular AM frequency, say, W-H-O, Des Moines, Iowa, and I'd be hearing more than one station coming through, sometimes several. It was difficult to sort them out. Jesus says in John 10, verse 27, that his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. His sheep are able to sort out through those conflicting noises and discern his voice. But that only comes with practice over time and with a desire to hear his voice in the first place. Just as often as from the outside, those conflicting, often counterfeit voices can come from inside and sufficiently distract us so that we don't hear God's voice. My own sin, for example, tells me I'm unworthy to commune with God. My busyness tells me I have priorities I have to take care of first. My emotions, my fears, shame, guilt, despair, insecurities, they all tell me that I don't have what it takes to be that spiritual. We think we're deficient, forgetting who and whose we are. Thinking we're incapable, powerless, unworthy. We forget that our true identity, is we're new creatures in Christ. We've been redeemed. We've been given a new nature. We're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. God has declared us to be his heirs, his friends. He's forgiven us. His grace is sufficient for us. He just wants to talk with us because he loves us and he wants our best. And we need to trust the gospel that all that junk has been erased and forgiven by the blood of Christ and it need not get between you And God's voice. Hearing God's voice is something that you may have to discipline yourself to do. Initially, we may not even be familiar with it. Like the story of young Samuel. This is a long story, but it's a good story. Samuel, in the third chapter of his first book, verses 1 through 10, where it says, according to the RRV, now the boy, Samuel, probably about 12, was serving the Lord under the supervision of the priest, Eli. And by the way, it says, the word of the Lord was rarely heard in those days, and there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight was beginning to fail him, was lying down in his chamber. The lampstand was still lit, and Samuel was lying down in the temple where the ark of the Lord was kept. And then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I did not go back to sleep. So he went and he laid down. And then the Lord called again. Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He was an altar boy, so to speak. Yet the Lord's voice had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli realized that it was the Lord calling the boy. And he said, Go lie down. And if he calls you again, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And this time Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. And then the Lord was able to speak with Samuel. I stood at my kitchen counter a couple of nights ago, about midnight, finishing a glass of uh, fruit juice before retiring. it was and I prayed as I often do, Lord just let me know you better and this goes along with our recent identity exploration because I've always held that one cannot truly know himself unless he first knows who God is and has some understanding of the relationship so I made the same plea another time too when we were here in worship singing, I want to know your heart I want to know your heart. And I said, yes, yes. That's what I want, Lord. And I got the same answer each of those times. And I guess this time I was paying attention. And I wrote it down. Because this is what he said. Maybe without a sound, but this is what he said to me. He said, then look at Jesus. Look at my son. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time in the Gospels, he is the expression of my heart. Spend time with him, listen to him. He is my voice. I didn't send him to judge the world. I didn't send him to curse the world. I didn't send him to make everybody feel dirty and guilty and deficient in some way. I sent him to show you who I am. He is my heart. I sent him to show you my heart. He's the fullness of the Godhead. He's the perfect representation of the Father. If you've seen him, You've seen me. If you've heard him, you've heard me. Get to know him. Because if you don't, you'll miss it. There's books written about him. Spend time in those gospels. Tear apart his miracles. Scrutinize his parables. Pay attention to his sermons. Listen as he has one-on-one conversations with various people, because he may also be talking to you. Pay close attention. You say you may want to know me. Well, then get to know him. His name is Jesus. He's my son. Talk with him. Walk with him. Spend time with him. Tell him your deepest desires. Tell him what hurts you. Tell him what pleases you. Thank him for the good. Ask him to turn the bad into something of value. Fix your eyes on his, and then they will be fixed on mine. Learn to love him. He and I already love you. He is the word. He is my voice. It's so simple. But typically I miss it entirely. Because I'm not tuning my ears, my dish, my antennae. I'm not tuning it in the right direction. I think another pitfall is that sometimes when we're confronted with difficulties and challenges for decisions. Well we go to the Father in prayer, but too often only as a last resort instead of as the first line of defense. We forget that he is our refuge and our strength and instead we depend on our own strength. We forget that he longs to talk with us and to listen to our hearts and to give us wisdom and courage. First Samuel 30 verses 1 through 6. Another one of my favorite stories. David and his men, back in their outlaw days, had returned from a raid to find their camp burned, totally plundered. The wife, their wives, and their children had been taken captive, taken away. And David's men were so angry and so distraught that they threatened to stone him. Now another man may have given into fear and despair and said, oh my goodness, how can I possibly fix this? But not David. David, before doing anything else, ran to the Father, as we sang this morning. He stopped, and verse 6 tells us that he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He took his courage from God. He sought the voice of God and spoke to him. And God gave him wisdom and courage to face the situation. Otherwise, he'd have missed it. You know, we can become conditioned to hearing God's voice by hanging out with right voices. Good Christian counsel, people who have your best interests at heart, maybe people who hear God themselves. But the reverse is equally true. If you hang out with the wrong voices, you're going to lose the ability to hear God yourself. Anytime you question if the voice you hear is really God, lay it against the template of Scripture. Did God really say that? Satan, Satan, who is typically so devious, was stupid in the garden. He stupidly gave them the key to hearing God's voice. When he asked the first family, did God really say that? That's the question we should be asking ourselves all the time. What Satan said to Adam and Eve clearly did not line up with what God had said. And if they hadn't been so focused on themselves, they'd have realized that. Remember that the voice of God will not contradict his own word in the Bible. His voice will not cause you to sin. It will not cause you to take the wrong road. If the answer you come up with leaves other people hurting, it wasn't God in the first place. Many years ago, Barbie and I and the boys Bought land and we built a little farm. We called it Rainbow Farm. Remembering God's covenant of stability and preservation after the flood. A lot of prayer and listening for God's voice lay, lay behind and under that adventure. We were convinced that God wanted us to get back to the land. To simplify, to be unencumbered. Hey, okay, we were 30. What can I say? We, so we built a little passive solar Earth-burned house, planted a huge garden, made a lot of our own stuff, cut and burned our own wood for heat. We raised livestock, and we raised boys. Part of the idea was to do all this without a mortgage, to remain free from the shackles and burdens of the world as we did this, to the extent that you can these days. We did make a minor concession to get started. We bought 15 acres on a land contract, one that we could handle with my paycheck from my day job. Fast forwarding, when it came time to put in a septic tank and dig a dry well, we didn't have the necessary $10,000. That's a 40-year-old price, by the way. We didn't have the necessary $10,000. But at that time, we were also deep into the teachings of a national evangelist who convinced us that God so wanted us to prosper materially that if we put our faith in his desire for that material prosperity, we could even write that $10,000 check with the assurance that somehow he would make it good. So we did. Kevin and his brothers, I don't even know if you guys were, were aware that this was going on, but when some time had passed and instead of $10,000 showing up, it was the sheriff, a sheriff of Allegan County himself showed up at our front door. Things got serious. Well, he was buddies with the guy that owned the You know, the septic place. It's the way it is in in rural rural areas like that. Anyway, the point is, how did we miss it? How did we mishear God? Clearly, we listened to the wrong voice. And we put our confidence in some misguided guy's concept instead of in our Savior. But it had sounded so right. It had sounded so easy. And maybe that should have been a clue. God never said it would be easy. He simply said we were to trust and obey and invest in Jesus. But at the same time, God does sometimes use other people's voices to speak a word to us. It's usually somebody who has some influence over us by a familial relationship or a friendship or somebody in authority, doctor, lawyer, elder, policeman, whatever, but for some reason, We often question their integrity. We question their agenda, or their sincerity, or their credentials. We ignore them. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it doesn't sound easy enough. Maybe it disrupts our comfort zone. And we miss a word that God had intended for us to hear. I'm reminded of Jim, who was once my personal care physician. He never yelled at me. But every time I went to the went to his office and I would see him, he would point to a chart, to lines on a chart on his wall, and he'd say, now, if you quit smoking here, there's a good chance you're going to live to here. But if you wait and you don't quit smoking till here, there's a good chance you won't make it past here. I didn't listen because I convinced myself That I enjoyed that bad behavior and I thought I knew better. By the way, pride goes before a fall. We miss God's voice sometimes because we just plain and simply forget his promises. You have to trust that he will speak to you. You need to believe that. You need to get rid of the doubts. Read scripture. Listen with expectation. Not wondering if he's even in his office today. Trust that he, on his side, wants to spend time with you. He will speak to you. You need to be tuned in and listening. He has revealed himself and his purposes through creation, through scripture, through his Son, through the Spirit, through his saints. We either forget, or worse yet, we ignore. Or even worse yet, we reject those promises. But your Father has not. He does not go back on his word. Sometimes we hear other believers say, well, the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that. Like they're having one-on-one conversations with God. How come we don't? We speak to God all the time in our prayers and in our praise, but does he respond? Are we really talking with him or are we the only ones talking and he can't get a word in edgewise? Maybe we need to shut up and revel in his presence and listen to him sometimes. Get somewhere quiet. Afford him the dignity of giving him your undivided attention. He will communicate with you on issues great and small. Or maybe he just wants to sit quietly with you and enjoy your presence. Jesus set aside his position and became a man to pursue his mission. Though still God, he operated on earth as a man, though full of the Holy Spirit. He did nothing momentous without first hearing from his Father. Actions, decisions, miracles. He declared in John 8, verse 28 and 29, as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And the Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. In John 5, verses 2 2 through 8, we hear one Sabbath day, Jesus was walking near the pool of Bethesda, and he saw a crippled man lying on a mat. Christ turned to the man and commanded him to pick up his bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he walked away healed. And then in verse 10, we see the Jewish leaders were enraged by that. In their minds, Jesus had broken the Sabbath laws by healing the man. But Jesus answered in verse 17 through 20, I only did what my father told me to do. My father works in this manner and I work. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, these things also the son does. For the father loves the son and shows him all the things that he himself does. In John 12, verse 49 and 50, Jesus stated very plainly, my father has taught me everything I'm supposed to do. So you may wonder, when exactly did God the Father show Christ what to do? When did Jesus see God working miracles? When did the Father speak to him about these things? Was it back in eternity somehow, or or recently as a man walking on earth? How did Jesus know what to do and when and how. Jesus set a pattern for us to follow. We're supposed to live as he did, walk as he walked. The fact is, Jesus in his flesh had to rely on constant communication, a daily interaction with the Father's voice. He had to be dependent on the Father at all times in order to hear his voice directing him. Otherwise, Christ couldn't have done the things that he did. Jesus had to hear his father's voice hour by hour, miracle by miracle, one day at a time. Without that, Jesus himself would have missed the father's voice. How was Jesus able to hear the still small voice of the father? The one that we so often miss. What did he do that we neglect? The Bible shows us that it typically happens through prayer. Excuse me. We alluded to that earlier. Again and again, Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. He learned to hear the Father's voice while he was on his knees. His Father was faithful to show him everything to do and to speak. Picture Jesus facing a major decision, such as choosing his disciples, his fledgling church, Luke tells us in chapter 6, verse 12, he went went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And the next morning, Jesus called out the 12 disciples. How did he know who to call? Well, the Father had revealed it to him the night before. Jesus received encouraging words, prophetic warnings, while in prayer. He petitioned the Father he worshiped him. He listened to his voice and submitted to his will. In Matthew 14, verse 13, Jesus had just received news of the death of John the Baptist. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Jesus was there alone, praying, grieving deeply over John's death. John had been a beloved friend, his cousin as well as a respected prophet of God, now as Christ fellowshiped with the Father, he asked for and received grace. And there in the desert, while shut in with his Father, Jesus received direction for the next day. Matthew goes on to state that immediately after leaving that place, Christ began to perform miracles. In verse 14, we see Jesus went forth, and he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. That same day, Jesus fed a crowd of 5,000 families from five loaves and two fish. Try to imagine what a busy full day that had been for him. Later that day, he dismissed the crowds. And what did Jesus do at that point? You'd think he might seek out a time to rest or a quiet meal. Maybe he would gather a few of his friends together, have a glass of wine and recount the events of the day. Jesus did none of those things. Matthew says in verse 23, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Once again, Jesus had rushed back to the Father. He knew the only place to recuperate was in his Father's presence, listening to his voice. Maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but one of the main reasons I miss hearing the Father's voice is because I don't position myself within hearing range, on my knees, alone, without distraction, in my prayer closet, in my desert place. Do you have a besetting sin? Some mode of thinking or behavior or avoidance of what you should be doing? Do you enjoy it so much that you tune the spirit out and refuse to listen? when he points out to you that this does not line up with our role model, Jesus. Do you harden your heart and say, no one's gonna tell me what to do, or that can't be what a loving God would ask me to do. So we second guess the spirit. I know I'm guilty of that. I know I also miss God's voice because I fall prey to the same mistakes we make with anybody within whom we have a relationship. We exercise selective hearing. We only hear what we want to hear. Sometimes we turn a deaf ear because we don't want to hear what they have to say. and Sometimes we're just plain hard of hearing. Often we're guilty of neglecting to use the template of scripture and instead we use the template of our own egos like Adam and Eve did. Or instead of relying on him in faith, we exercise presumption and our own flesh drowns out the spirit like we did when we wrote that $10,000 check. I dare say that the source of most sects, cults, heresies, is someone saying, my God wouldn't have said that. My God wouldn't ask me to do that. That must have been an interpretation error, a translation error. And so they remake God in their own image. They build a false religion around a counterfeit God, and they miss hearing the truth. Sometimes we're just convinced we have a better plan than God does. I remember when Barbie and I were building the medical clinic, we did that a few times. Best example I can think of is the story of the floors. We had learned years before from the Allegheny County Sheriff that you don't write checks that you can't cash. So we didn't pull the trigger on any aspect of that project without having the money in the bank first. So when we were just a short time away from our grand opening and we had no flooring in the entire building and we were flat out of money, dead broke, we petitioned God, send us money. We pleaded, we begged in faith. We need money, Lord, so that we can buy floors and we can finish this building. At the last minute, when we were nearly at our wit's end, Wondering why was God abandoning this this project now at this stage? Bob walked in the front door. And he held up a 12-inch porcelain tile in one hand, and he held up another 12-inch porcelain tile in the other hand, and he said, I got a truckload of this, and I got a truckload of this. Which one do you want? Before he was finished, Bob had carpeted and tiled the entire building. I kept trying to get him in a corner, to tell him that we didn't have any money. And he responded, oh, don't worry about that. It's all taken care of when I finally got to talk to him. God had a plan all along. We were asking for more money. God planned to use Bob. And we just didn't hear him through our own desperation. The worship team can come back up if you would. Listen, the key to understanding our identity The key to understanding that that identity is a right relationship with the Creator. The key to eternal life, as Jesus said it, is knowing God. It's simply all about knowing and grasping that He's totally good and He's totally selfless. He wants the best for us. When we get that, we won't turn away. We won't tune Him out. We won't harden our hearts and refuse to listen. We won't think that we know better. We won't allow ourselves to be distracted. We won't allow our own egos and our own flesh to take over. And we won't plug our ears and sing la, 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 la every time he tries to talk to us. Summing this up, I guess what I've been trying to say is that we miss God's voice not because he isn't speaking, but because we generally aren't listening or we're listening in the wrong manner or we're listening to the wrong voices. We think we're earnestly listening in good faith and we're just not because we generally let ourselves get in the way and we block like those mountains what God would like to say to us and do for us and with us. As Jesus would say, let him who hears Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can you pray with me for just a moment? Incredible Father, we are overwhelmed and humbled that you desire to speak to us and with us, that the God of all creation would want to spend time with us. Open the ears of our hearts, Lord. Let your Spirit tune our receivers to hear your voice, to let it pierce the static, and to come through loud and clear. And then give us the humility to hear and the grace so that we can respond in a manner that pleases you and brings you glory and brings you joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved in one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, sermon series announcements, and much more. You can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Just search for Downtown Christian Church. Thank you for listening.